Coming up in this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast, we look at all the latest news and goings-on. We interview Daniel Nurhinen from Australia, and we preview the Group C from the Harry SM Games. That's Yoensu, Kite, KPL, and IPV. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. I'm your host Ian Alba and uh, joining me is our resident coach and expert on all things Pes Apollo. It's Mikko Pilronen. Mikko, how are you doing? Doing good. Uh, I've settled in Helsinki and uh, it just like I said last time, you can sense that the season is getting closer and closer and... Uh, Finally, we are in a situation where we can actually uh, almost feel the games and you can see the practice games and uh, you can see the lineups and you hear people talking. So it's good. It's really a good time of the year. Well, it's, it's very exciting. I mean, I, I can see so many of the teams they they proudly um post pictures about this time of the year where the snow is all melting around the edge of the stadiums and it it just um it brings me a little warmth a little joy um because i can i can just see that the season is just about to start um ever so soon and in fact it has uh, we had the um the games in Fuengirola um the other week um but start proper back in Finland um, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, In the news, we've seen a couple of um, stories, not not really that much um, going on at the moment, a lot of training games, as you say, but one of the things that certainly caught my eye um, was um, a bit of a star signing, I suppose, Um, uh, Lauri Vierima going back to Hervinka. He was with uh, Kankampa um, last year, but uh, when when you look at his uh, his stats, um, he's Hervinka through and through. We've already talked about both of those teams in our our previews already in the show, but to me, this this signing has strengthened Tarkon and. It's, it's it sort of weakens Kankampai again. So it's another bit of a, a blow to them. Um, Mika, what do you make of the signing? Well, he was about to retire. That was his like uh, plan after last year. So in that sense, uh, yes, it has weakened Kankampai, but they knew it 
already that he wouldn't be playing for them. And he actually he played an excellent season last season. And uh, but it's not that uncommon that when the spring started to come, and also like you said, he's been through and true, but he is he, he is born in the Helsinki region and uh, has like a civil job and is like uh, well established also in that walk of life but uh, he just started to feel that damn it would be nice to play again and uh, so the initiative came from the player actually in this case and uh, of course Darko was active too because uh, that signing gives them their roster more depth definitely and uh, I think that when you take a look at their uh, level of danger at that it's comparable to basically any team in, in the league so it's a really good signing. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we talk about um, Mari announcing his retirement and that kind of pull, that draw to come back to the sport. Um, my dad uh, in cricket has retired, I think, two or maybe even three times from the club and he still goes back every year after. He's, he can't stay away. So um, <laughs> I, I can well understand that. Um we were talking a moment ago about the um, the photographs of, of all the pitches and the snow um, starting to melt. There's one, well, it was a video actually, um, that I saw recently, um, which caught my eye for all the wrong reasons. And that's to do with Mansa's stadium. It's It still seems to be lacking um, at the moment. It's um, delayed. We know that there have been... Um, increased in costs for materials um, and things like that. Do, do you think that this this issue with the stadium is going to be much of a distraction for Mansa uh, starting the season? Well, if we take a look at the team, I don't think that no, not so much because of the structure of the team and the game manager, and they knew it. But uh, obviously, nobody is happy to see the stadium project being delayed like that and the cost like rising sky high. And uh, but also. I know for a fact that the training facilities elsewhere in Tampere are not like super precise level, no, nowhere near that. And if you want to practice like properly, then you have to drive to another stadium outside of Tampere to do that. And all of that is like causing extra, extra stress. But, uh, but yeah, uh, it's a matter of pride that they get the stadium ready. I think it's more about that. But it will be costly 
and uh, I hope that they don't have to save in the wrong places. But uh, yeah, yeah, and we know as well, of course, that um, uh, the Italansi games are, are going to be played there later this summer. Um, we all hope that the facilities are are there and, and ready to show, um, including talk of possibly there not being the changing rooms ready or, or there not being bathrooms or, or, or things like that. Um, but hopefully things will be on track. And like you say, it's it's, it's a pride thing as well for, for, for Tampere as a, as a city. Um, they've, they've held on to this, this vision of, of Italanzi being there for, for a couple of years now. Um, and, you know, this, this is the championship city. You know, Mansa hold the championship. They're going to want to show off their new stadium. Um, we just hope that uh, things can work out. And like you say, that they don't make some costs in, in some of the perhaps wrong places. But I think that just one... Quick addition that one thing that may actually come into play is that uh, doing the kind of uh, multi-year structure into the construction, which would mean that all the facilities would not be ready uh, for Italancy, but they would use the same kind of arrangements that, for example, mass events use, like portable uh, solutions as a one-off, and then finish the st- stadium like later on. Because uh, I am, I'm having a hard time believing that they would have every facility ready by balancing. I don't see it as like, or they have to cough up uh, millions of euros out of nowhere. And that's too much of a matter of pride. I think there will be, there needs to be some compromises at some point. Hmm. And whilst we've seen um, some of the challenges with the actual stadium and delays, on the other side of things, we've seen the announcement of the people who will be selecting uh, the lineups for Italancy. So um, Matti Varinen, of course, who led Mansa to um, their championship win last year, will take over um, for West. And uh, Antti Hartikainen, who retired um, during the off-season, um, will take over for the East. We've all seen... Uh, Matti Varanen last year and of course um, Antti Hartikainen has a, a very special place in in my heart um, from from the years of watching him play uh, and his style of play um, perhaps one of my my favourite players over the last uh, decade or so so um, what did you think of those selections Miko? I was uh, I was actually to be honest, I was smiling when I saw those because I, uh, I've held Matti Varenen just uh, in such a high place in my hierarchy of uh, all the people inside Pesapal. He's a 
he he operates silently. He goes about his business in a silent, shrewd way, and uh, just uh, doesn't make a much noise of himself. Uh, he's still an unbelievable guy around the sport. And uh, Antti Hardekanen is also a breath of fresh air. I I happen to be uh, watching a friendly match indoors uh, in Joensuu. And uh, Antti was there also. And we uh, we uh, just uh, ended up chatting about Pesapallo for a good 15-20 minutes or so. And uh, uh, when when he was selected, I immediately uh, sent him a message and congratulated him about it. And uh, he he responded by saying that I that that he hopes that it means that uh, I will comment and uh, make sure that every every one of these selections will be scrutinized uh, by me when when he makes those and uh, and when the actual event takes place uh, that we will also be speculating about his choices there and uh, i promise that we will <laughs> well i'm 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 already eager to see who's going to be selected um this year um very excited uh, for the game and in fact i've i've already booked my ticket um so i'm uh, i'm i'll be heading back over uh, covid and everything permitting of course um but i'll be heading back over um this summer in july i'll also be helping out um as many of our listeners may know um i'll be helping out uh, cricket finland um who are going to be hosting a cricket uh, tournament in fact two uh, tournaments for um the world cup that's coming up um that'll do it for the news at the moment but whilst we're talking about cricket um we are going to now uh, cut to an interview with um somebody from australia um talking about the australian um, Pespalo scene uh, and a recent tournament was held over the East weekend. Joining me now on the podcast is Daniel Nurhinen, um, who is a Pespalo fan and player um, from Australia. Uh, Daniel, uh, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Now, Australia have um, featured a number of times in the World Cup, and we'll we'll talk about that in a moment. But tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your involvement with Pesapalo. Um, I, I started playing Pesapalo in Australia when I was roughly 12 years old. Uh, my parents played it growing, and so as they were participating, I was always dragged to the field for trainings, Um the tournaments, everything like that. And so once I got old enough, I was able to play and just have kept on playing, just enjoying the game. One of the things that um, I've always been interested in is the sort of links 
with Pesa Polo in cricket, and obviously Australia is a very big cricketing nation. Um, how did you find playing Pesa Polo in a country that is so heavily into cricket? Uh, I've I only played cricket like in the backyard, like with friends. Never really uh, like as a um, how would you say it? like as a as a it was more as a hobby. It wasn't as a, a sport that I'd play. I was more into football and other sports and um but best of all i always enjoyed it because it was uh you're more active always you're never the what that one player that gets put in that backfield that's not going to catch the ball so uh you there's everyone has their uh own talents in a way and you utilize those so that's where i've always enjoyed it and but the cricket it's more i've always found well, actually, I really struggled to pick up the ball on the on the deliveries, so that was one reason why I never really got into it too much. It's uh, it's, it's very fast, and you don't actually realise it until you face a ball twenty metres away, and it's it's coming that it's it's gone past you in less than half a second. It's it's unbelievable how quick it goes. So that was reading the pitch and stuff, in, even in the backyard on the grass, was always difficult. Um, so it's much nicer having the ball being thrown up and you can watch it the whole way. Well, uh, the the focus obviously in Press Apollo is, is more about the, the tactical aspects and the running um, rather than whether you can hit the ball or not. Um, so what is your involvement with, uh, with Press Apollo these days? Um, at the moment, I'm only playing in the... Just in Helsinki, in the Guntopesis, which is like a fitness league. Um, so I'm only really playing for fun nowadays, as just injuries over the years have finally, and old age have finally taken its course that I can't play at a higher level. But um, but then when I go back to Australia, I I always try to play as it's it's fairly similar to the level here that I'm playing now. So it's um it it is. It's it's more it's fun. Like we we really enjoy it playing fun there. It's not like it's serious but um, competitive. It, it it's sort of like um, as like when you had Dominic on the show the other time. It's the Swiss league would be about the same level as our Australian league. So there's more mm. the social side involved. Yeah. Well, that's that's one of the. The really interesting things uh, I think about the sport, the kind of social aspects, um, I do see a lot of parallels with with cricket. There's a lot of uh, social aspects with with that as well. So, talking about the the clubs and things in in Australia, are, are there many players who play? Um, well, in Australia, we only have it'd be Sydney, like the club I play for, Melbourne, Brisbane. Gold Coast and Canberra, so it's mainly the East Coast. But as the clubs are all like 900 kilometers away, it is hard to catch up. Um, and we only play at Easter over one weekend a year, so it is difficult to get players to uh, consistently return to play the next year. Um, so it usually ends up being... Uh, a player that's playing and then they their partner will join or boyfriend girlfriend um will join in and enjoy the game or not like the game and they come back or or not it's um but then 
we have got a lot of American baseball players playing now, or a few, sorry, not a lot. Um, so it, it is slowly growing in a way, but it is still difficult to keep the teams um, having enough players. Do you think that um, Pesapalo is um, an underrated sport? There's not a lot of uh, publicity about it. There is very little little publicity about it, as it is like a lot of things finish in Finland. They don't like to really uh, export stuff. It's from what I've seen living here, there is so many good things. Uh, but yeah, Besabalo is really kept under the radar. Um, it's it is a great game once you finally master it and in, enjoy it. So. And we mentioned a moment ago about the the World Cups, and in fact, um, Australia have taken medals at all of the Pesapala World Cups except for the last one in, in India, where a team didn't uh, participate. No, right? we had a we only had a mixed team in India. So Australia's particip- participated in every World Cup so far, um, and that's why I went to try to keep it going. Uh, the the record of participating along with Finland, so. It's in India, we were, I was shocked, to be honest, that we made, um, or not shocked, would be a bad word, actually. I I was glad that we made the semifinals as the team that we went over with was not very strong and we used our team to the best of our abilities. Um, So only going with, I think we went with eight players and then, one of the girls recruited her friend from Sweden to fill in. Uh, so we got a full nine at least to participate. And But we went for the enjoyment and the experience as well of exploring India and keeping the games going is a, and growing the World Cup is the main thing. So, And when you were out in India, obviously it's, it's an emerging market and we've, we've seen uh, over the last couple of years, uh, lots of growth in Bangladesh and India and things like that. Um, what was your experience of those teams when you were, were there? I was um, very uh, pleased with what I saw. There was, um, I was actually shocked how good, uh, especially Nepal, like what with Mikko, your um, host or co-host, what he had done in that limited time with that team was almost like a miracle. Like it's, I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't have a men's team and we couldn't play against them. But I hope in um, Finland next year that we will be able to pl- play against them. Uh, but even the Indians and Bangladesh or Bangladesh beating Finland was a big shock. Um, they, Everyone says they had good bounce of the ball, but everyone was playing on the same field. So it's, um, it's just... The ball bounces in a funny way on, on that field in India. So yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, but it was great to see Finland lose again. I think this is the third, that was the third time I think or second time. So yeah, second time actually. So it's um it's a rarity and it's nice to see it. <laughs> when we interviewed Dominic um, last year from from Switzerland. Uh, we were talking about some of the different tactics that uh, that Switzerland have, have used over the years uh, and certainly at the World Cups. Um, is there a particular style of play or, or um, 
cultural aspect that's imparted in Australia? Um, well, we always try to evolve our game and like follow the way the Finns play, like their positioning, different situations, uh, tactics. Um, I've noticed Switzerland, when we've played before, that they don't really move as much as on the field. Um, so it has like no disrespect to Switzerland. Like we have found it easier in some games at times. They have put up very good games and beaten us as well. I'm not saying we always beat them, <laughs> but um, the it is different to um, playing a different country as well. So like in Switzerland, they they do play a lot on grass and gravel. We only play on grass. So it's the the tactics are always going to be different, and it comes down to the um, how would I say it the exposure you have to the new ways of playing and the, how the game's evolving so and like myself living in Finland I've had the luxury of watching and asking a lot of top players of like why they do things and I can pass the information on to our team back home and try to help improve as well. Well you talked a moment ago about the uh, the games over Easter we we saw that there was um, a get-together uh, over Easter and you were all able to play uh, Pespolo in Canberra. Uh, how did that weekend go? Um, well, that that weekend was fantastic. It, it has been, like, that was the 54th Easter Games we've had in Finland. Of, I'm sorry, not in Finland, in Australia. But for the last two years, they've been, like, with Corona, we haven't been able to have it. So it was a... I think everyone really enjoyed it because it had been three years since everyone had seen each other, had played, had done anything really. And so to be able to catch up, it was really great. The weather was fantastic compared to what the weather has been in Australia recently. So it was a lot of really tight games, to be honest. Um, I have to say Sydney won. We didn't lose any games, (laughs) which is quite nice. But... um, the, the the games were very close and it was played it's always played in good spirit there is a lot of um competitiveness and it, it can get heated at times of course which is it's it's sport but um in the end of the day uh, uh, once the final whistle goes it's um just having a beer with friends and back to normal so and having a good laugh so it's it was good to have it um the easter games again so being the 54th um there's quite a history. Of there is Pesopolo a very big history of Pesopolo in Australia. It, it's and, not very um, commonly known as well, so that's the... Uh... Hmm. Uh, because, of course, uh, some people may or may not know that Australia is, is home to a, a lot of different um, cultural groups from all around the world, but um, uh, 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 quite a large chunk of, of a Finnish population by the sounds of things. Yes, there is a very large... Um... Finnish population and I think there's even a Finnish village even somewhere I believe in Queensland I'm not 100% sure on that but um they built a whole village for the Finnish old older generation to retire in and but there's throughout all the major cities there's um many Finns living there and have they uh it would have been same as my like my parents migrated there as kids in the 50s um and have lived their whole lives in australia so they're the ones that had 
um, <coughs> sorry, uh, had kept the Finnish uh, spirit and communities alive and grew the clubs and kept the game, the, all these games going. And now it's come down to my generation and the future kids to keep it going, hopefully. Do you often have to uh, explain to um, the locals what exactly is going on <laughs> about Pespalo? Because uh, when um, Pespalo was a, an exhibition sport in the 1952 Summer Olympics, they, they didn't explain what the game was. Um, and a lot of people left very, very confused by the sounds of things. It's Even if you're watching the game, when I take a few of my Australian friends living here in Finland to like the Huvinka um, Dako games, um, they are completely bewildered. They are just like, what is happening? This person has hit a fly ball into the backfield and they're not out. That person's not running. Yeah. This is happening. What are these other players, these jokers, everything? It's just, um, but it's, you ha- have to ask questions to learn as well. So it's, um, when it's, it is, as we said before, it's a very underrated game. Um, so it's just, getting that exposure and introducing new people to it is always a great thing as well. So, Where do you see the future for Pespalo in Australia? Uh, it, it's a hard one, to be honest, because we were actually worried that it was going to stop. Like, there weren't that many players coming through. The teams were struggling to get players. But I I hope, I really hope that it continues being played. Um, a lot of the players now have a lot of kids that are coming to the age in, in the 10 to 14 year old age. So they're it's able to play, uh, start participating and not just having to run around because their parents are there. Um, so that if, if they could start playing, they'll start enjoying it more and wanting to come back and play against their friends that they meet there each year. So I, in I do see a future, like for it to grow, but it's there might be a few rough years in coming up, but um, in the distance it'll keep going. But I think we'll always have at least a few teams playing, even if we have to borrow team players from other teams. It's just to keep the games being played is the main goal we have. Uh, thank you very much for uh, joining me on the podcast. Uh... Uh, Daniel, uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you about um, something that seems to have been going on for a very long time in Australia that most people probably don't know about. And that's, no, it's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, pleasure to be invited on the show and um, I look forward to hearing the podcast in the future. Join us after the break um, where we'll be talking uh, previews uh, for Group C from the uh, Harley SM from this year. So that's Yoansu, KPL, Kite, and IPV. Okay, uh, so welcome back. Uh, we're talking previews. The season is technically already started. Um, but the main games uh, haven't yet started. Um, four teams uh, were in this group. I want to talk first about Yoan Su. Now, 
they've been in a bit of a transition, of course, um, over the last couple of years. We saw a, a couple of um, minor moves, but the biggest name uh, really coming across was uh, Topikosanen. Um To misquote Mark Twain, rumours about his retirement were grossly exaggerated. <laughs> um, but who can blame uh, Patioki for, for celebrating such a wonderful career that uh, Toppy has had with them? Um, but when you combine Kosanen and uh, Vili Valiaho, you've got two of the league's most formidable um, pitchers on the same team. Um, we know that um, Kosanen also um, has been a solid hitter, uh, returning runs for for um, Patioki over the years, uh, certainly in the last couple of years as well. What do you make of, of Joensu's chances this year, Miko? I see them as a top five team. That's where we start with. Uh, the one thing that I will be watching with a really close eye is that do they have the spark? Do they have the bite, so to say, when when push comes to shove? And it's like uh, this team is well rounded up. It doesn't have any glaring weaknesses. It's... Uh, it has firepower, it has good point runners, it, it, it can be a really good outfield team too. And uh, also Elmer Elieto has been looking very good so far and is exactly the kind of a talent that they have needed to that particular place. But also... It's a fact that, uh, that there are a lot of players who really need to grow into their positions. And we are also talking about grown men in this sentence. And uh, I, I think that the biggest danger of Joensu is kind of sliding into that comfort zone. Where it's like uh, smooth sailing and uh, every... Every now and then they raise eyebrows with a good win and they're like cruising solidly into a decent or good position in the regular season. But um, I'm really interested to see what happens after that because the game manager has changed. Who knows how the... Lokare situation, the pitcher situation will be actually solved because whereas in Manse you could make a case that the other can be a useful uh, joker. In Joensu they already have two jokers and even using Kosonen as a joker for me is like... Uh, the game has to run really smoothly that he has any decent use in that uh, in every inning 
And uh, Valiaho is basically, it's pointless to put him as a choker. And uh, it's also, the fact is that the guy is 26. And if he's not playing every game now, when when is he? And he has played in some like in, in some high level games, so uh, I will be interested to see and hear what uh, what their plans are about it. So that's uh, that's a big question mark. Yeah, well, for me, they're probably the team I'm I'm most intrigued. Most excited to, to to see how it all unfolds out of the top five, because I, I can sort of see what's going to happen with with Mansa, with Sotkamo, with Fimpoli, um, with KPL. But like you say, some games, Yoansu uh, were on. Certainly last year, they were on it. They they were able to compete at the very highest level, and then in other games, the the. The performance seemed to just drop off. It was as if they were coasting, like you say, that they were just going through the motions, um, we'd probably say. Um, So if they shake that attitude and every game is an important one, I could see them doing very well this season. Um, The Hanya Sam games don't really show us a lot. But I really loved the intensity that they showed in those games. I thought that was a slightly different focus, perhaps, than than last year. The question is, is that going to be the same throughout the entire season? Um, I I agree entirely. Um, Valiaho, he's he's not going to be used as a joker. uh, his batting statistics are, are, are not worth mentioning, um, really. But it, it's going to be an interesting question as to how they're going to set up that lineup. Um, I am interested to see what uh, what use they find for Villalandiainen as well. Um, he's another one of the uh, the Sipe players who's making their way through through Jones, who we've seen a couple in, in the past few years, Simo Vainikainen, for example. Um, so some of these signings, they sort of raised a bit of an eyebrow with me. I wasn't quite sure of the direction. Um, certainly the Topikosanen one came out of, um, out of nowhere. Um, but I'll be interested to see how, how that team performs. Um, I agree. I think they're, they're um, definitely in that top five. So long as they can maintain this uh, this approach and this pressure. Well, uh, about Lantian and he he actually had progressed quite a bit when I saw him play this winter compared to uh, previous years, and uh, especially like now I'm talking about his outfield playing, which is. A big reason why they let another infielder go, basically, and they are relying on him and then their own junior production to fill fill in the role 
alongside Irokuosa, which obviously helps that if you have Topi Kosonen and Irokuosa, the third guy, uh, basically the, he can be his role can be a bit different. So. So yeah, uh, and he also brings them a good pair of legs to work with at that. So uh, I think they're quite balanced like that as a team, but do they have the leaders? Do they have the, like, uh, do they have the spark? And, uh, and the organization needs to see the team rise back up into the semi-finals that's for sure well the next team obviously in the in the group um they finished second in the group um as well that was uh, kpl at last year's uh, silver medalists so th- the obvious big name to leave kpl was tony Kovanen. Everybody thought possibly uh, heading off into retirement. No, he's uh, sticking it out for the anniversary season. And uh, we'll be talking about him in in a moment, I suspect, because he's heading over to IPV. We saw um, a couple of um, Tarko players moving across. um, Temo Nikkonen, Patrick Bartema. they they were the ones really that sort of caught my eye. Um, Christian uh, Malikine from Yoinsu as well went across. Um, it's it's always been a consistent performance from KPL, and we know that Kivipelto um, is um, well. Last year he said he was the league's best pitcher, but it, it almost seems like. They're so close and yet so far. They, they they can't make that leap up to to winning the championship, despite the fact that they were within inches um, in in twenty twenty and last year again. Do you think this is the year that they're actually going to break that streak and win the championship? It's anybody's guess if this is the year, but. What I will say is that they have laid the foundations for this year, for next year, for the next three or four years easily to to actually make a case for not just breaking that spell, but also being one of the dominant teams in Super Pesos. And uh, I will just... Uh, I would just put it short. This is the best KPL that I've seen. The best. And I'm also talking about uh, the teams that went to the finals and had like living legends at their prime and stuff like that. So maybe only the 2010 KPL could be comparable to this. And uh, there... Their roster is deep. 
their game manager and the whole coaching team are on top. They they're not gonna lose any games to that. I think that last year they overachieved, and uh, they in the semifinals against Wimbledon they actually played very well, and even though. They battled with some injuries. Well, also Monza did, but uh, they they took it to game five. So uh, they were they were just sticking like glue that nobody got actually rid of rid of them, and they were within one yaksa of winning that title. So yeah, you can see it as a burden. It might even be a burden. Who knows? But um, I I see them. Well, I see them as a main challenger for Monza Pepe. Hmm. I, I I agree, and and I love what you said about the depth that they've got. Um, because of course, this year they're fielding um, a team in the Urkespesis. Uh, a second team there. Um, we even saw um, there, there was a practice match against Hamina the other day, and Yuho Hacklin was was on the lineup. But I was like, hang on, <laughs> well, he's getting some extra training in um, at Valikenta. There we are. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be an incredible season for them. I think, um, like you say, it's hard to say who is going to merge as champions this year, but certainly KPL. Will be sticking with uh, with Mansa, possibly all the way. It'll all depend, I think, on how the fixtures in the postseason are shaped. So, who plays which opponent? And I think we'll we'll know a lot more <laughs> when the dust settles at the end of the regular season. Um, the next team in in the group um, had a terrible season last year for for what um for, for the amount of talent that they had on their lineup uh, and that was Kite in 2020 people had sort of written them off but they had this amazing 30th anniversary year um run that very nearly uh, broke through in the postseason last year there was just errors, there were injuries, there were problems left, right and, and centre for the team. Um, coming into uh, 2022, we've seen uh, Valentin Ikkonen uh, leave uh, for Hüvinka and uh, Sami Mikulahano, of course, as well for Kankampanmaila. Um, joining Kite, we've seen some younger players, uh, Matthias Littmanen, uh, Samu Weinekainen and Yuri Pippel are both from Sipe, and uh, Otso Makala from Hamina. How do you think this uh, 2022 lineup stacks up and do you think they can overcome some of the problems they had last year? I think this gives the team a little bit more depth than what they had. It does, and that's what they're needed, and it fills the gaps in some 
spaces of outfield where they have desperately needed some acquisitions and uh, for me uh, it was interesting to talk to their game manager the other day and uh, he just mentioned that he thinks that they they will be a really strong outfield team this season and the other thing that he was talking about which i agree with 100% is that uh on 2020 we were talking about like uh, the potential of this kidda team and now when we're talking about when we're taking a look at these guys who are carrying the team and are supposed to be the team leaders we are talking about players who are like between the ages of 23 to 25 so we can like uh Juha Kaiko's words were that we can just trust this talk about potential and throw it into the bin because now it's time to actually grow up and to make good of that potential because you you cannot hide behind that like endlessly uh, they are grown men and they need to uh, come up with some results and uh, I would be delighted to see them fight for a spot at least in the playoffs and even more if everything goes well. Mm. Well, I, I think they'll they'll make it just about into the playoffs this year. It's a, it's a tight <laughs> group of teams and, and it's probably going to be one of the most exciting seasons we've seen for a while just because there's, there's so much... Up and down the um, the league that uh, could change. That there's no definite runaway leader for this league. There's no definite. These are the top eight. To a certain extent, there's no definite. These teams will be fighting off relegation. Um, but I I think Kite will 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 start to shake off some of those problems. And like you say, it's it's time for them to actually stop talking about oh this team will be great in a few years time the potential's there just have to give it time it, the time is now and I, I i like some of the moves they've made just because they they do have that greater depth now and certainly in a season where covid could either condense the the, the season a little bit or it could mean missed games and so on and so forth it's going to be really unpredictable, and having that depth uh, is going to help them certainly much more than the lack of depth hindered them last year. The final team in the group were um, the unexpected uh, heroes, I suppose, of, of last season, IPV, who out of nowhere, and despite having statistically a worse year, the year before, got through to the postseason uh, in eighth, and very nearly 
knocked out the uh, eventual champions, Mansa. Um, this is a team that's uh, since then made a, a few moves to help strengthen uh, their uh, their core from last year. So uh, we've seen Yuho Toivola, of course, uh, leave to go to, to Yoensu. Um, Tommy Pirainen, the, the wanderer, poor old Tommy Pirainen, he's, he was in uh, Sotkamo the other year, then Sipe, then IPV. Then he got signed for Mansa and has now ended up in Kempele. So <laughs> um, I'm, I'm glad he's... I'm going to see him playing again this year, but uh, I do hope he's uh, had time to unpack his suitcase. Um, joining the team, we saw um, Sasu Toika, who uh, was with Hamina last year, but struggled with injuries. Um, I wonder if we'll see him back to his uh, KPL form. Um, Tony Laxo, of course, former KPL uh, man who was with Sotkamo last year. And as we mentioned before, Tony Kohanen, who um, was with uh, KPL, uh, now back uh, out east, but not with Kite, where he's uh, famously known. Uh, he's joined IPV. What did you make of those signings, Miko? I think that in each of those signings, you can see the reasoning behind it and why they tried to get those players like Sasotoika at his prime would bring so much to this team. He started in Fuengerola at number three. If he is capable of also running at 100% throughout the season, he will be a huge signing for them and would be that for any club in the league. And uh, Okay, Tony Kohonen, uh, some are talking about that he might be a mentor or something. Well, of course he's that too, but I think that anybody who's watched the games or knows anything about Tony Kohonen is that he, as long as he keeps playing this game at the highest levels, uh, and he said that this is his last season, but uh, he's a competitor. He's 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 not going anywhere to be a mentor and play as a number eight and uh, just in a minor role in the outfield. He he will go out with a bang. As with Tony Larkso, you never know what you're gonna get. And uh, like in good or bad, that's uh, that's just how it is. And uh, he's actually one of their own. Uh, his his father is uh, is an IPV legend from their glory days as a player, and uh, also as a coach in his later days. And uh, Tony Larkso is an IPV product so that signing out is also good but uh, 
what I will say about IPV is that I, I think that they have players who will keep performing at a high level and even raising the bar. But but I, I still don't think that even that would be enough because... I mean, kudos to them for last season. They were the storyline. And they were the, like, they were the thing where I don't think I've ever been so glad to be wrong about something in this sport than I was about them last year. But one thing I need to add is that this year there are 30 games in the regular season. You play every team twice, which is 24 games. And after that, and not after that, but in, in like during the season, you play six extra games that are like they have a specific system for that. But okay, I have I IPV's list over here and I will just read it really quick. There are six extra games. They will play uh Kite at home, Joensu away, Sotkamo at home, KPL away, Tahko at home and Manse away. So basically they will play Sotkamo KPL and Manse away. And and Johansu. So good luck to them. <laughs> I mean if you take enough points from those games where you don't play a single game against any team that would have any threat of relegation and with all probability like it might be that even all of those teams makes the make the playoffs and if there's Monsek KPL Johansu and Sotkamo there's also a good chance that you you find more than one medalist from within that group so that that's like that's really making their life hard. Uh, for example, compared to Kite, who doesn't have like that, their group is not that easy, but it's significantly easier. Mm. Yeah, and. I I agree. It's one of the reasons why I think IPV will will not make the the top eight, but Kite will. Um, I I like the signings um, for IPV. Like you say, I can see the logic behind them. I can see what they bring to the team, and they certainly fill the gaps or some of the holes um, that we saw last year. There certainly wasn't the star quality or um, experience, really, with IPV when we looked at them on paper 
going into the start of last season. Um, but these names will certainly uh, add some of that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can get any points from those additional games that, that you mentioned, um, let alone winning them. But if if they want to make the playoffs, they've really got to make those games count. And, you know, if they if they come away with wins, then they will absolutely deserve that place in the playoffs. But I, I just don't see it as being likely. But I'm once again, I'm I'm more than happy to be wrong. Because if <laughs> if they can do that, it would only be good for the sport. Oh, absolutely. Um, in this unpredictable world that we have, um, when we see upsets, when we see these things in sport, it it can excite us. Um, and it will, like last year, like we said, um, it, it could be the storyline for this year again. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're here to be proven wrong. Um, that'll just about uh, do it for our... Uh, previews um, this week uh, join us on our next podcast when we'll be looking at the final uh, previews uh, Sotkamo, Kempele and Patioki um, it'll actually do it for this show as well so um, if you like what you hear then please like, subscribe or even comment uh, on the podcast we'd love to hear from you you can also uh, follow us on Twitter, that's SuperPessisR, or on Facebook. You'll also see me writing uh, on my blog. I've actually had quite a few viewers um, looking at uh, my previews on, on the blog as well. I actually was, was going to mention, um, I had 250 page views on the day that I had um, uh, Koskan Korva's post up. And their lowest attendance last year was 257. <laughs> so I was like, wow, there's this many people reading uh, reading these posts in English. That's very strange. Um, yeah, the whole, yes, the whole village is behind you. And, and, and <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for everyone that go, go read Ian's text. I mean, you, you, you won't regret it under any circumstances. Just just do that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so you'll also see me, of course, writing for uh, Hamina and for the Portolini website. Um, but that's it. I want to thank my uh, co-host, Mikko Pirhonen. Thank you once again. The pleasure is all mine. And me, uh, Ian Alba. Uh, we'll see you soon. Something that's hidden far away